Today on Ag News Daily. Yeah, I'd say I'd say it's pretty evenly spread around. Particularly, you know, the further west you go uh, in the corn market. I mean, they desperately need corn uh, across the plains. Uh, their corn deficit, no matter where you look, merchandisers will do almost anything to get uh, their hands on some corn. Good afternoon, folks, and happy Monday, November 14th, here on the Ag News Daily Podcast, sponsored today by Mystic Loops. For a full look at their range of top quality products, visit Mystic Loops. That's M Y S T I K Loops.com. Tanner, how are you doing today? I'm good, but when you said happy Monday, it didn't sound like you were all that happy. Oh, well, of course I am. Oh, well, that's great. You had a great weekend? I didn't do anything this weekend, so it was pretty fantastic. I'm not going to lie. Nice. I got our Christmas lights up. They are not turned on. For those of you that were about ready to jump down my throat, they are up on the house, but they will not be turned on for a while. <laughs> I was going to be excited. I've been asking Blaine to put our Christmas lights up because I feel like, uh, I don't know why. I just feel like we don't have as much time to enjoy the holiday season this year. So I'm like wanting to get stuff up now early. I'm I'm the anti no Christmas lights before Thanksgiving or maybe the week of Thanksgiving is okay, but we don't, you can put them up when it's warmer out. I mean, it was not all that warm this weekend, but uh, just don't turn them on yet. Let's give Thanksgiving its due. Okay. That's fair, I guess. Yeah. It was chilly this weekend. The wind was all right. It was down, but there are still winter weather advisories being issued from Northeastern New Mexico, all the way to central Illinois. We've got a large Arctic Circle, a cold front that has pushed through the central United States, according to the National Weather Service, southwestern Kansas, where hard red winter wheat is currently growing, could see up to four inches of snow today and winds gusting up to 35 miles per hour. Central Oklahoma, a winter storm warning is in effect for heavy snow forecast with three to six inches of accumulation. Northern up into Missouri, another four inches of snow. And Delaney, we're expected to see some flurries with possible accumulation of less than an inch. Here in the Iowa area, so we talked about snow north of us last week, and now it's pushed itself south. That's true. We got a little bit of flurries over the weekend. Nothing really that stopped, so I wasn't upset about that. But winter is certainly here. Absolutely. <laughs> Tanner, one area that could use some moisture, though, that we continue to talk about is Argentina. Their wheat exports this season will not quite reach half of what they had last season, according to the Rosario Grain Exchange on Friday. They said only 7 million tons of exports are expected after months of dry weather, which is going to be halved compared to their 21-22 season, Tanner. Yeah, that uh, certainly could use a little bit of extra moisture there. We've seen a lot of headlines talking about the drought in the U.S. pushing eastern from its western areas. So we'll see what that has to do with the growing conditions next year for the Corn Belt. But Delaney, a lot of Chinese news in the headlines. So let's start off first with the China demonstration flying more than 36 jets, anti-submarine planes, and bombers near Taiwan. That gives more of a concern for war and the fear uh, over Taipei. And, of course, Congress is now having discussions to potentially quickly arm Taiwan as the Chinese threat grows. They have the uh, most recent issue with Russia and Ukraine in the back of their minds. They're pushing to arm and train Taiwan in advance of any potential military attack by China. 
However, deliberations are ongoing right now between Chinese leader and President Biden as we talk. During those discussions, President Xi warned Mr. Biden that Taiwan was a red line and that the U.S. must not cross that red line if they would like the two countries to continue to work together and elevate their trade relations. This was during about a three-hour in-person meeting, the first time President Biden had met the leader of China since he took office. So I'm sure you've got more headlines on that as well, Delaney. I don't actually have too much more additional to add than what you shared there, Tanner, other than a couple of quotes. President Xi was apparently quoted saying that, quote, we need to start or chart the course for China-U.S. relationship and that he looks forward to working with Biden to bring the relationship back on the right track. It does sound like there was obviously a little bit of frustration and tension between the two parties uh, when talking about the aggression that China has had toward Taiwan, but their growing economic isolation and North Korea's accelerated weapons testing, as well as just the human rights abuses that we've seen going on, led to a little bit of tense conversation. But for the most part, it sounds like both parties agreed that the conversation was positive, Tanner. Yeah, and a lot of trade organizations have put out newsletters and press releases today. China is expected to increase their pork imports in the next coming months. That's mainly due to the losses that their farmers have experienced over the last year. Uh, feed producers there said more than 100 mid-sized producers in China are seeing 25 to 30% less pounds coming out of their herds. Also, the National Soybean Association really stated that there's higher demand there also for soybean meal and soy byproducts. So interesting to watch the Chinese headlines as the president is working to continue to, I'm going to say, maintain that relationship, maybe build on it a little bit, and then also very carefully toe that line that Chinese leaders stated with Taiwan. Absolutely. And speaking of towing the line, Tanner, we don't have a firm confirmation yet about whether or not the grain corridor initiative between Russia and Ukraine will be extended. But it does sound like a lot of folks are feeling very positively about this. However, again, the deal is not done, but it sounds like there have been some positive discussions about extending that. Yeah, I was curious to, like I said, if it's going to formally be put in place and extended or if it's just going to be kind of an unspoken rule mm-hmm. to make sure we don't deter any further uh, feelings throughout the world leaders themselves. Let's pause here quick for a message from our sponsor today. Since 1922, Mystic Lubricants has been providing superior performance and protection for farmers who demand the most out of their equipment. Today, Mystic continues to develop products in real-world conditions that are specially formulated to meet the unique demands of your specialized machines. They provide advanced protection for engine longevity and are the choice of people who make a living working the land. Learn more about Mystic products at mysticlubes.com. That's M-Y-S-T-I-K lubes.com. Well, Delaney, coming out of that advertisement, OPEC on Monday here cut its forecast for 2022's global oil demand growth for the fifth time since April. It also trimmed next year's figure, citing the mounting economic challenges, including high inflation and increased interest rates. Oil demand in 2022 will rise by 2.55 million barrels per day, or 2.6%, according to the Petroleum Exporting Countries. The Organization of Petroleum Exporting Countries, OPEC, 
That, however, is down from their previous forecast. The world economy has entered a period of significant uncertainty and rising challenges for the fourth quarter of 2022 and first quarter of 2023 are now being forecasted. This sent oil prices down today, so we'll have a conversation about that when we get into our Market Monday conversation. Yeah, I feel like this is a good one to definitely touch on with Darren Newsom here coming up in just a little bit about why we're continuing to see these production cuts when we're not seeing prices at the pump get any cheaper, uh, for sure. So interesting conversation. I'm sure that will ensue here shortly, Tanner, but switching tracks here. I know you mentioned, um, increased, you said pork demand, correct? For China. That's correct. Yep. Well, uh, even with that increase in consumption and exports, Tyson Foods shares slumped 2% on Monday after the U.S. meat processor said that they are actually seeing declining demand for pork and premium beef, which contributed to lower than expected quarterly earnings. Dana, that's also on the same precipice here that we got some interesting news today that a Tyson Foods board representative has is overseeing the review of the CFO and their arrest. Tyson Foods Board of Directors is overseeing a quote-unquote thorough review of the recent arrest of their chief financial officer, John R. Tyson, on charges that he trespassed at a young woman's house while intoxicated, Tanner. He is the great-grandson of the meat company's founder, and apologized during a quarterly earnings call on November 6th for his criminal trespassing and public intoxication in Fayetteville, Arkansas. It's very embarrassing, and he mentioned as such in his remarks to the board. Uh, The female that he apparently trespassed on was a college-age female who was alarmed to have found Tyson, whom she did not know, asleep in her bed upon returning home. So it sounds like he broke into the house (laughs) and climbed into her bed to fall asleep. Not really sure how you explain yourself out of this one. I don't know how I missed that headline. That is a fascinating story. Mm -hmm. I thought you might read that one. The last piece I've got for today is just five of eight fertilizers are pushing downward. There's a lot of downward pressure both of threats of rail strike worries and low river levels. So it looks like agriculture fertilizer is dropping. However, anhydrous ammonia is the one that is not seeing much movement. Significant applications going on right now in the Corn Belt for fall applied. The week ahead of uh, November 19th rail deal, as we stated, was extended to December 4th. However, when you look at the prices for urea, UAN, uh, those are falling. 1034.0 fell the most by 12%. There's a lot of detail there, but quite interesting headlines stating that uh, it's economic driven, it's travel and logistics driven, and a little bit producer driven, Delaney, as to why those prices are slumping. Well, Tanner, I'm sure that will be a good headline for us to continue to follow here. But one, obviously, we follow daily is commodity markets. Before we get to that, Tanner, though, let's take one more quick message from today's sponsor, Mystic Lubes. Since 1922, Mystic Lubricants has been providing superior performance and protection for farmers who demand the most out of their equipment. 
Today, Mystic continues to develop products in real-world conditions that are specially formulated to meet the unique demands of your specialized machines. They provide advanced protection for engine longevity and are the choice of people who make a living working the land. Learn more about Mystic products at mysticlubes.com. That's M-Y-S-T-I-K lubes.com. Tanner, as we take a look at markets today, certainly had a little bit of a sell-off in the grains, especially in soybeans today. But new crop December corn closed down three quarters of a cent at six fifty-seven. January soybeans down nine and a half cents on the day to settle at fourteen forty. In the wheat pits, they actually had some positive momentum today as the Chicago December contract closed up four and three quarters cents at eight eighteen and a half, while hard red December wheat closed twelve and three quarters cents higher at nine fifty six and a quarter. Livestock today, Tanner had some mixed trade as the December live cattle contract added five cents to close at a buck fifty one, while February feeder, excuse me, February live cattle were down seventy cents on the day at one fifty two fifty five. January feeder cattle today up 87 cents on the board at a buck 79.45 and December lean hogs added 52 pennies to close at 84.87 and a half. Without further ado, Tanner, let's kick it over to our conversation with Darren Newsom. Well, as promised, we are chatting today with Darren Newsom of Darren Newsom Analysis. Darren, thanks for joining us today because I feel like we have a lot to unpack today. Uh, there's been a there's been a lot going on. I appreciate you having me on again, Delaney. There has been a lot going on, Darren, and I don't even feel like I know fully where to start yet. But maybe a good place to dive in today would be early news that the Grain Corridor Initiative is likely going to be extended. Yet uh, we still saw some negativity in the markets. Wheat not following the trend here, maybe not pulling up corn and soybeans along with it as it has previously, Darren. Yeah, I think it's largely a non-event at this point. There's been grain moved out of Ukraine through this corridor, uh, through the Black Sea. And with news that Russia is kind of on the defensive now, uh, pulling back in some areas of Ukraine, Yeah, I think the understanding is you know, at some point, we will get Black Sea shipments back to normal. And so, you know, we we saw wheat try to rally on Monday. But, I mean, one day we're up double digits, the next day we're down double digits. It's it's just kind of the nature of wheat. Corn and soybeans just didn't really have any reason to follow. Uh, they didn't have reason to do much of anything at all to start the week. We also, prior to this, conversation report on a couple of headlines that involve China. So Mm -hmm. the other potential standing uh, issue between China and Taiwan, kind of like Russia and Ukraine, to where the U.S. is going to be involved. What types of impacts are traders looking at out of those discussions? You know, we have have to take a real big picture here. You know, um, Russia invading, Theoretically, Russia invading Ukraine was the scouting mission to see how the world would react for, uh, towards China doing much the same thing with Taiwan. And quite honestly, it just didn't go well for Russia. And then, uh, Russia wound up not performing well in U.S. midterm elections either. So, you know, it wasn't surprising that there were talks scheduled between, uh, U.S. and China and that 
you know, the week after uh, the midterm elections, and even though we don't know all of the results at this point, you know, they they were able to sit down face to face. President Biden and President Xi uh, were able to sit down. Now, where it goes from here, it's going to be diff- it's difficult to say. You you never know. Uh, but right now, it looks like it's less likely that China is going to actively or actually invade Taiwan. It just you know their their scouting mission didn't work. Uh, but there could be other pressures put on Taiwan, uh, economic pressures. There could be some military pressures. Uh, so we'll have to see all this plays out right now. Markets seem to be more interested in other things, uh, again, after last week has come and gone. Darren, I feel like we really have to focus on wheat here today, especially as they had the most positive moves in the market. We just reported earlier on the podcast, Darren, about the story that Argentina was going to be having their exports here for the 22-23 season. When we look at world wheat production, where do you see the chips falling this year? You know, I, I go back to something I learned a long time ago. Two things, actually, I learned a long time ago. Number one is don't be long wheat in December. So, I mean, we've, we've, we've heard all this bullish news, you know, world global productions down, tightening stocks, this, that, everything else. Yet, yet, that, yet last week we saw the Chicago market move, uh, the DSMART spread move into an 80% calculated full commercial carry. And that's with non-commercial traders holding a net short position. That's just, it's just all around bearish. Uh, you know, there's just, there's nothing out there that says, Oh, yo, the world's running out of wheat. That being said, you know, our stocks getting tighter. Yeah, I've seen all kinds of charts saying that uh, demand is outpacing production and all this and all that. But what we have to remember, one bushel of wheat left over is one too many. Uh, it's not like other markets. Uh, wheat's grown around the world. And so, yeah, it, it takes an extraordinary situation, uh, for, uh, for the wheat to really get excited. Uh, is Argentina, you know, going to have a smaller crop? Possibly. Are they going to, uh, cut off some of their exports? Absolutely. Did Australia have a bigger crop or are they on, on track to have a bigger crop? That's what all the talk is right now. So, you know, you take it away from one, you put it into another and Chicago wheat always seems to be caught in the middle. The one that we know for sure is at Kansas City, uh, here in the U.S., the hard red winter crop. It's probably going to be much smaller next year. Uh, it's got off to a terrible start uh, this, this uh, you know, heading into winter. So, you know, and we can see that, you know, its future spreads are inverted. It, you know, it's just more bullish. Uh, but it doesn't necessarily mean we're going to run out. It just means we have tight supplies right now. Yeah, so I, you know, kind of like you stated there, wheat is different from corn and soybeans. But we've been hearing a lot of comments, at least here in the Midwest, that unseasonably strong basis is available to our producers. Is that what we're seeing throughout most of our corn and soybean market? Or is that just a corn belt area? No, I'd say, yeah, I'd say, I'd say it's pretty evenly spread around, um, particularly, you know, the further West you go in the corn market, uh, in the corn market. I mean, they desperately need corn, uh, across the plains. Uh, their corn deficit, no matter where you look, merchandisers will do almost anything, uh, to get uh, their hands on some corn. So what this has done is, you know, if we look at national average basis, my latest calculation Friday afternoon, uh, Friday evening came in something like almost eight cents over. And this is the national average. And I'm hearing in 
incredible numbers, uh, you know, from around the, around the country. So there's parts where basis isn't quite as strong where, where they've got plenty of corn coming in, plenty of soybeans coming in. But by and large, you know, what we've got is strong basis. So what's this tell us? We've got, you know, if we look at demand and if we, if we, you know, what's available supplies and we have to remember avail, not total supplies, but available supplies to meet demand is very tight right now. And so merchandisers are having to push, uh, to try to, you know, to try to source some bushels here and particularly in the corn market. So, you know, and this is going to continue all winter. The, 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 the remaining bushels that are out there, they're, they're locked up tight. They're probably not going to move till maybe early spring. Uh, and so, you know, you've got feed yards, you've got ethanol plants, you've got everyone still trying to use corn, uh, still trying to find it. And, you know, the question mark is, is exports. We're not moving much corn, but we, we usually don't this time of year. Uh, but, you know, will there be corn available second half of the marketing year when, you know, the shift does move towards the U.S. as far as, uh, as far as corn supplies? Here, and even with that being said, though, the spreads are pretty tight here as you look in both corn and soybeans for the mm-hmm. next, you know, four or five contract months. Are we going to see some sort of divergence here where we see the spreads get a little stronger for enticing grain to come to the market? That's just it all, it all kind of goes together. You know, when you have strong basis, uh, when you when you've got merchandisers pushing, they also push in the futures markets. And so they are pushing nearby contracts uh, to try to source those supplies. So they're working it through both the cash markets and they're working it through futures. And so we that's how we can read what the fundamentals really are, because, you know, spreads are weak. And if we look out in soybeans, I mean, we've got inverted spreads, you know, in the deferred corn as well. So, I mean, we're not looking for this supply and demand to solve a situation to solve itself over the next number of months, even over the next couple of marketing years. So, I mean, this this is a long-term issue that we continue to deal with uh, is, you know, tight supplies uh, and, and still strong demand. And that's exactly what the market's showing us. And then as we just glance at livestock markets, obviously mm-hmm. that's a large portion of the feedstuff. So are we expected to see margins tighten for producers there or will we be able to help ride that wave up? It's, it's going to be tough to tighten those margins because they're already really tight. And, and what we're hearing right now, uh, is there's been, there's been some cows taken to slaughter. And so, you know, as, as we watch these spreads, you know, like the, the DSFEB cattle spread, uh, live cattle spread has moved into bullish territory. It's the first time in quite a while we've seen cattle spread, uh, live cattle spread move bullish. As we go further out, you know, the Dece, April, April, June, and so on, they're still bearish, but we've seen some commercial buying. So the idea is here, well, what's going to happen is by the time we get through the winter and, you know, maybe mid to late winter and so on, we're going to start to see these on-feed numbers really starting to be pulled down. Uh, and we, so that immediately raises, you know, and it puts an asterisk by, okay, is, there, is our feed demand going to back off as well? And it probably should, but it's all going to be uh, towards the back end, which is why we're going back into the marketing year, which is why we're going to have to see exports uh, pick up some of the slack. Ethanol is just kind of a constant. Uh, so, you know, I think there is a real risk that we're going to see feed demand back off. We're just not going to have the number of cattle that we've had the last few years. Uh, and if demand can stay strong, I mean, if uh, box beef on Friday just took a beating, uh, but if the market overall stays strong and demand for beef stays strong, you know, it's going to tighten up the the, uh, the scenario in in the live cattle market, and we could see some support start to build in there for those winter and spring months. Darren, I wanted to finally wrap things up with uh, OPEC. As we heard, they made another mm-hmm. production cut. Where does that leave us? Well, you know, it's it's to be expected. I mean, we we got to look at OPEC Plus, where uh, 
you know, Russia is a part of that. And as I said, the, the midterm elections didn't go well for Russia. And, you know, so how, how best do you kind of, uh, get one back? You, you cut production in oil, uh, and you try to keep the inflation argument going, uh, at least through the next round of elections. So, um, you know, and, and that's basically what it boils down to. Yeah, they're pointing, they're saying global demand this, global demand that. But, you know, the biggest thing is they don't want to increase production. They don't have to increase production. And now we'll see what kind of, uh, what kind of effect it has on, on uh, crude oil price and, you know, economy as a whole. But so far, these two sorts of moves have been relatively muted. I know I heard some talk again about $120 crude oil. We still have inverted future spread. So, I mean, it's still a very bullish situation, and it wouldn't take much uh, to really light a fire underneath the, the energy complex as a whole. And we appreciate you hanging out or hanging out with us again on a Market Monday conversation. Our listeners always value your insight and expertise. If they want to get a hold of you or look you up, what's the best way for them to do that? Yeah, Tanner, I really appreciate you saying that. Uh, the easiest way to find me is to go to darrennewsome.com. Uh, you can go to our, our menu or on the services page and sign up for a seven day free trial. Take a look around, uh, see what we talk about, see how we analyze and comment on things and, and see if it's something you agree with. And if though, we can go from there. Another great Market Monday, Delaney. This is uh, always brings value to me as I continue to learn about that. I agree, Tanner. We're, you're getting really good at answering or asking, I should say, questions now, too. I've got all the answers. They just might not be right. Oh, okay. That's true. <laughs> Listeners, however, though, stay tuned. Come check in with us because we will get you the answers, the latest news headlines, uh, both on the podcast every day and through our social media channels. But for today, what do you say, Delaney? Should we let the listeners go? Let's let him go.